Chapter Two of the Conquest of Canaan by Booth Tarkington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: A Rescue. Main Street, already muffled by the snow, added to its quietude a frozen hush, where the wonder-bearing youth pursued his course along its white, straight way. None was there in whom impertinence overmastered astonishment or who recovered from the sight in time to jeer with effect no trab's boy gathered courage to enact in the thoroughfare a scene of mockery and of joy leaving business at a temporary standstill behind him mr bantry swept his long coat steadily over the snow and soon emerged upon that part of the street where the mart gave way to the home the comfortable houses stood pleasantly back from the street with plenty of lawn and shrubbery about them, and often along the picket fences the laden branches of small cedars, bending low with their burden, showered the young man's swinging shoulders, glitteringly as he brushed by. And now that expression he wore, the indulgent amusement of a man of the world, began to disintegrate and show signs of change. It became finely grave, as of a highly conventionality, lofty, assured, and mannered as he approached the Pike Mansion. The remotest stranger must at once perceive that the Canaan papers could not have called it otherwise without pain. It was a big, smooth, stone-faced house, product of the seventies, founding under an outrageously insistent mansard, kept by a cupola, and staring out of long windows overtopped with ornamental slabs two cast iron deer painted death gray twins of the same mould stood on opposite sides of the front walk their backs towards it and each other their bodies in profile to the street their necks bent however so that they gazed upon the passer-by yet gazed without emotion two large calm dogs guarded the top of the steps leading to the front door they also were twins and of the same interesting metal though honored beyond the deer by coats of black paint and shellac it was to be remarked that these dogs were of no distinguishable species or breed yet they were unmistakably dogs the dullest must have recognized them as such at a glance which was perhaps enough it was a hideous house, important-looking, cold, yet harshly aggressive, a house whose exterior provoked a shuddering guess of the brass lambequins and plush fringes within. A solid house, obviously, nay, blatantly, the residence of the principal citizen, whom it had grown to resemble, as is the impish habit of houses, and it set in the middle of its flat acre of snowy lawn like a rich, fat man enraged and sitting straight up in bed to swear and yet there was one charming thing about this ugly house some workmen were enclosing a large side porch with heavy canvas evidently for festal purposes looking out from between the two strips of the canvas was a rosy and delicate face of a pretty girl smiling upon eugene bantry as he passed it was an obviously pretty face all the youth and prettiness there for your very first glance elaborately pretty like the splendid profusion of hair about and above it 
amber-colored hair upon which so much time had been spent that a circle of large round curls rose above the mass of it like golden bubbles tipping a coronet the girl's fingers were pressed thoughtfully against her chin as eugene strode into view immediately her eyes widened and brightened he swung along the fence with the handsomest appearance of unconsciousness until he reached a point nearly opposite her then he turned his head as if haphazardly and met her eyes at once she threw out her hand towards him waving him a greeting a gesture which as her fingers had been near her lips was a little like throwing a kiss he crooked an elbow and with a one-two-three military movement removed his small-brimmed hat extending it to full arm's length at the shoulder level returned it to his head with the lifeguard precision this was also new to canaan he was letting mamie pike have it all at once the impression was as large as he could have desired she remained at the opening in the canvas and watched him until he wagged his shoulders round the next corner and disappeared into a cross street as for eugene he was calm with a great calm and very red he had not covered a great distance however before his gravity was replaced by his former smiling look of the landed gentleman amused by the innocent pastimes of the peasants though there was no one in sight except a woman sweeping some snow from the front steps of a cottage and she not perceiving him retired indoors without knowing her loss he had come to a thinly built part of the town the perfect quiet of which made the sound he heard as he opened the picket gate of his own home all the more startling it was a scream loud frantic and terror-stricken eugene stopped with the gate half open out of the winter skeleton of a grape arbor at one side of the foursquare brick house a brown-faced girl of seventeen precipitated herself through the air in the midst of a shower of torn cardboard which she threw before her as she leaped she lit upon her toes and headed for the gate at top speed pursued by a pale young man whose thin arms strove spasmodically to reach her scattering snow behind them hair flying the pair sped on like two tattered branches before a high wind for as they came nearer eugene of whom in the tensity of their flight they took no note it was to be seen that both were so shabbily dressed as to be almost ragged there was a brown patch upon the girl's faded skirt at the knee the shortness of the garment indicating its age to be something over three years as well as permitting the knowledge to become more general than befitting that her cotton stockings had been clumsily darned in several places her pursuer was in as evil case his trousers displayed a tendency to fringedness at pocket and heel his coat blowing open as he ran threw pennants of torn lining to the breeze and made it too plain that there were but three buttons on his waistcoat the girl ran beautifully but a fleeter foot was behind her and though she dodged and evaded like a creature of the woods the reaching hand fell upon the loose sleeve of her red blouse nor fell lightly she gave a wrench of frenzy the antique fabric refused the strain 
parted at the shoulder seam so thoroughly that the whole sleeve came away but not to its owner's release for she had been brought round by the jerk so that agile as she had shown herself the pursuer threw an arm about her neck before she could twist away and held her there was a sharp struggle as short as it was fierce neither of these extraordinary wrestlers spoke they fought victory hung in the balance for perhaps four seconds then the girl was thrown heavily upon her back in such a turmoil of snow that she seemed to be the mere nucleus of a white comet she struggled to get up plying knee and elbow with a very anguish of determination but her opponent held her pinioned both her wrists with one hand and with the other rubbed great handfuls of snow into her face sparing neither mouth nor eyes you will he cried you will tear up my pictures a dirty trick and you get washed for it half suffocated choking gasping she still fought on squirming and kicking with such spirit that the pair of them appeared to the beholder like figures of mist writhing in a fountain of snow more violence was to mar the peace of morning unexpectedly attacked from the rear the conqueror was seized by the nape of the neck and one wrist and jerked to his feet simultaneously receiving a succession of kicks from his assailant prompted by an entirely natural curiosity he essayed to turn his head to see who this might be but a twist of his forearm and the pressure of strong fingers under his ear constrained him to remain as he was therefore abandoning resistance and oddly enough accepting without comment the indication that his captor desired to remain for the moment incognito he resorted calmly to explanations she tore up a picture of mine he said receiving the punishment without apparent emotion she seemed to think because she had drawn it herself she had a right to there was a slight whimsical group at the corner of his mouth as he spoke which might have been thought characteristic of him he was an odd-looking boy not ill-made though very thin and not tall his pallor was clear and even as though constitutional the features were delicate almost childlike but they were very slightly distorted through nervous habit to an expression at once wistful and humorous one eyebrow was a shade higher than the other one side of the mouth slightly drawn down the eyelids twitched a little habitually the fine blue eyes themselves were almost comically reproachful the look of a puppy who thinks you would not have beaten him if you had known what was in his heart all of this was in the quality of his voice too as he said to his invisible captor with an air of detachment from any personal feeling what peculiar shoes you wear i don't think i ever felt any so pointed before the rescuing knight took no thought of offering to help the persecuted damsel to arise instead he tightened his grip upon the prisoner's neck until perforce water not tears started from the latter's eyes you miserable little muff said the conqueror what the devil do you mean making this scene on our front lawn why it's eugene exclaimed the helpless one they didn't expect you till tonight. when did you get in just in time to give you a lesson my buck replied bantry grimly in good time for that my playful stepbrother he began to twist the other's wrist a treatment of bone and ligament in the application of which schoolboys and even freshmen are often adept 
Eugene made the torture acute, and was apparently enjoying the work when suddenly, without any manner of warning, he received an astounding blow upon the left ear, which half stunned him for the moment, and sent his hat flying, and himself reeling, so great was the surprise and shock of it. It was not a slap, not an open-handed push, nothing like it but a fierce, well-delivered blow from a clenched fist with the shoulder behind it, and it was the girl who had given it. "'Don't you dare touch Joe!' she cried passionately. "'Don't you lay a finger on him!' Furious and red, he staggered round to look at her. "'You wretched little wildcat! What do you mean by that?' he broke out. "'Don't you touch Joe!' she panted. "'Don't you—' Her breath caught, and there was a break in her voice as she faced him. She could not finish the repetition of that cry, "'Don't you touch Joe!' But there was no break in the spirit that passion of protection which had dealt the blow. Both boys looked at her, something aghast. She stood before them, trembling with rage and shivering with cold in the sudden wind which had come up. Her hair had fallen and blew across her streaming face in brown witch-wisp. One of the ill-darned stockings had come down and hung about her shoe in folds full of snow. The arm which had lost its sleeve was bare and wet. Thin as the arm of a growing boy, it shook convulsively and was red from shoulder to clenched fist. She was covered with snow. Mists of white drift blew across her, mercifully half-veiling her. Eugene recovered himself. He swung round upon his heel, restored his hat to his head with precision, picked up his stick and touched his banjo-case with it. Carry that into the house, he said indifferently to his stepbrother. "'Don't you do it,' said the girl, hotly between her chattering teeth. Eugene turned towards her, wearing the sharp edge of a smile. Not removing his eyes from her face, he produced with deliberation a flat silver box from his pocket, took therefrom a cigarette, replaced the box, extracted a smaller silver box from another pocket, shook out of it a fuse, slowly lit the cigarette this in a splendid silence, which he finally broke to say languidly, but with particular distinctness. Ariel Tabor, go home. The girl's teeth stopped chattering. Her lips remained parted. She shook the hair out of her eyes and stared at him as if she did not understand. But Joe Loudon, who had picked up the banjo case obediently, burst into cheerful laughter. That's it, Jean, he cried gaily. That's the way to talk to her. Stow it, you young cub, replied Eugene, not turning to him. You think I'm trying to be amusing? I don't know what you mean by stow it, Joe began. But if I mean, interrupted the other, not relaxing his faintly smiling stare at the girl, I mean that Ariel Tabor is to go home. Really, we can't have this kind of thing occurring upon our front lawn. The flush upon her wet cheeks deepened and became dark. Even her arm grew redder as she gazed back at him. In his eyes were patent his complete realization of the figure she cut, of this bare arm, of the strewn hair, of the fallen stocking, of the ragged shoulder of her blouse, of her patched short skirt, of the whole disheveled little figure. He was the master of the house, and he was sending her home as ill-behaved children are sent home by neighbors. The immobile, amused superiority of this proprietor of silver boxes, this wearer of strange and brilliant garments, 
became slightly intensified as he pointed to the fallen sleeve a rag of red and snow lying near her feet you might take that with you he said interrogatively her gaze was not wavered in meeting his but at this her eyelashes began to wink uncontrollably her chin to tremble she bent over the sleeve and picked it up before joe louden who had started towards her to do it for her then turning her head still bent so that her face was hidden from both of them she ran out of the gate do go joe called after her vehemently go just to show what a fool you are to think jeems in earnest he would have followed but his stepbrother caught him by the arm don't stop her said eugene can't you tell when i am in earnest you ballymuff i know you are returned the other in a low voice i didn't want her to think so for your sake thousands of thanks said eugene airily you're a wise young judge she couldn't stay in that state could she i sent her for her own good she could have gone in the house and your mother might have loaned her a jacket returned joe swallowing you had no business to make her go out in the street like that eugene laughed there isn't a soul in sight and there she's all right now she's home ariel had run along the fence until she came to the next gate which opened upon a walk leading to a shabby meandering old house of one story with a very long low porch once painted white running the full length of the front ariel sprang upon the porch and disappeared within the house joe stood looking after her his eyelashes winking as had hers you oughtn't to have treated her that way he said huskily eugene laughed again how were you treating her when i came up you bully her all you want to yourself but nobody else must say even a fatherly word to her that wasn't bullying exclaimed joe we fight all the time may we assented eugene i fancy what said the other blankly pick up that banjo case again and come on commanded mr bantry tartly where's the mater joe stared at him where's what the mater was the frowning reply oh yes i know said joe looking at his stepbrother curiously i've seen it in stories she's upstairs you'll be surprised you're wearing lots of clothes jean i suppose it will seem so to canaan returned the other wearily governor feeling fit i never saw him joe replied then caught himself oh i see what you mean yes he's all right they had come into the hall and eugene was removing the long coat while his stepbrother looked at him thoughtfully jean said the latter in a softened voice have you seen mamie pike yet you will find my young friend responded mr bantry if you ever go about much outside of canaan that ladies names are not supposed to be mentioned indiscriminately it's only said joe that i wanted to say there's a dance at their house tonight i suppose you'll be going certainly are you both knew that the question was needless but joe answered gently oh no of course not he leaned over and fumbled with one foot as if to fasten a loose shoestring she wouldn't be very likely to ask me well what about it only that that Harry tabor's going indeed eugene paused on the stairs which he had begun to ascend very interesting i thought continued joe hopefully straightening up to look at him 
that maybe you'd dance with her. I don't believe many will ask her. I'm afraid they won't. And if you would, even only once, it would kind of make up for... He faltered. We're out there, he finished, nodding his head in the direction of the gate. If Eugene vouchsafed any reply, it was lost in a loud, shrill cry from above, as a small, intensely nervous-looking woman in blue silk ran halfway down the stairs to meet him and caught him carefully in her arms. "'Dear old mater,' said Eugene. Joe went out of the front door quickly. End of chapter 2